Good morning. Thank you for joining us at that this that AI show. Name of the show is that AI show. Um, so we have a specific topical about SpaceX, Starlink. Fifty-three to sixty satellites were launched into the sky over the last week, and uh, turns out the two-day, like last forty-eight hours. It's not so. It's probably about five days difference. Um, but SpaceX launched about 60, approximately 60 satellites for Starlink to aid communications in space. That's presumed to be under the bill, like the DOD bill for over 40 billion. So it could get up into 80 billion. There's a lot uh so much money, so much Department of Defense money. Yep. It's under NASA and the Space Command, Cyber Command. So let me just read some of this to you. So In February, the Russian space chief threatened to use the ISS uh, as a blunt object to fall onto the United States or Europe. That happened. And that was in late February. So the United States had to respond. They had to do something. And what they had was SpaceX. So what happened was is that Russia will reportedly ditch the International Space Station in response to the sanctions. So that that's their current you know trajectory. They haven't haven't uh, ditched it yet, but if they do ditch it, then it will become a weaponized object potentially. Um and to be thrown down onto the United States or strategic NATO partners and that won't be good because there will be a war after that and many people will die it will be really messy and of course they will expect us to pay for it all and it will suck let's invite some people okay so the State Department got involved and they want more ability to monitor the Department of Defense cyber ops. Now this is all under cyber security or cyber operations because of the Satlink, the satellite link to provide communications to Ukraine because Russia cut their communications. But it's not the only reason. Uh, the other reason that we're not really discussing as much is that there's a space uh, hegemony and a monopoly being developed for SpaceX. Um, so I'm going to read this very pertinent piece of news from uh, Eurasian Times, the Eurasian Times. Of late, 
Chinese military observers have been increasingly concerned about the potential of SpaceX Starlink satellite network in helping the U.S. military dominate space, especially so in the wake of the Ukraine war, where Elon Musk activated Starlink satellites to restore communications that had stopped because of shelling by the Russian troops. A recent commentary in the official newspaper of the Chinese Armed Forces suggested that the international community should be on high alert for the risks associated with the Starlink satellite internet system as the U.S. military could potentially use it for dominating outer space. I'm not afraid of the U.S. dominating outer space because we're an Earth ally. Uh, The Chinese are an aggressive foreign power that want to take over sovereign Western nations. They're pro-slavery. They're pro-genocide. And they're against human rights. They're a global polluter. There's all kinds of evidence why, you know, China may have objections to us having hegemony in space, but I would much rather us have hegemony if there's going to be hegemony than China. For those reasons, they're just really bad at people. Yeah, thank you, Sophie. That's that's the uh, the cat pictured in the AI show. So SpaceX has decided to increase the number of Starlink satellites from 12,000 to 42,000. The program's unchecked expansion and the company's ambition to use it for military purposes should be put should put the international community on high alert, said the article on China Military Online. The official news website affiliated with the Central Military Commission, CMC, China's highest national defense organization, headed by President Xi. So Starlink helps Ukraine fight Russia. The article notes that SpaceX Starlink's role during the Russia-Ukraine war where Elon Musk provided Starlink terminals to restore communications in those parts. Yes, I know you want to talk to Sophie. Um, of the country where internet or phone connections had stopped following the shelling by Russian troops. Starlink was the only non-Russian communication system still working in some parts of Ukraine in the wake of the invasion, claims SpaceX founder Elon Musk. So, however, there have also been reports of Starlink aiding the Ukrainian armed forces in precision strikes against Russian tanks and positions which had not been noticed by Chinese military, unnoticed, sorry, by Chinese military observers. Okay, in addition to supporting communication, Starlink, as experts estimated, could also interact with UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles, drones, and use big data and facial recognition technology, AI, uh, machine learning, um, might have played a part in Ukraine's military operations against Russia, said the military online article. The Ukrainian Aerial Reconnaissance Unit, Aerozvidka, Aerozvidka, I know I didn't get that right, but you're just going to have to cope. Um, has been found using Starlink to monitor and coordinate UAVs, enabling soldiers to fire anti-tank weapons with targeted precision. Only the system's high data rates can provide stable communication required.
We use Starlink equipment and connect the drone team with our artillery team, said an officer with the Ukrainian Aerial Reconnaissance Unit. Uh, if we use a drone with a the thermal vision at night, the drone must connect through Starlink to the artillery guy and create target acquisition. Another remarkable event was SpaceX's swift response to a Russian jamming effort targeting its Starlink satellite service, which was appreciated by the Pentagon's director for electromagnetic warfare. Elon Musk had claimed that Russia had jammed Starlink terminals in Ukraine for hours at a time, following which he also said that after a software update, Starlink was operating normally. And suddenly, that Russian jamming attack was not effective anymore, and from the EW technologist perspective, that is fantastic. And how they did that was eye-watering to me, said Dave Tremper of the Director of Electronic Warfare for the Office of the Secretary of Defense in response to Musk claims. So, Starlink has cooperation with the United States military. It's a DOD defense capable, you know, agency tool. Okay. So, this is a tweet from the Air Force. Um, Operation Support Squadron Cyber Airmen currently exploring high-speed communication options to support a F-35A Lightning II Agile Combat Employment operating from a remote or austere location. And that was the U.S. Air Force on the 4th of April. There were some tests that were aimed at evaluating and exploring high-speed communications for the F-35A operations in remote or austere locations. And the U.S. Air Force stated that they witnessed connection speeds that were about 30 times faster than the current military systems. An unmanned wingman fitted with a Starlink device can serve as a tactical relay platform to transmit data to fighter jets, which means an operator can command a large number of UAVs to carry out tasks at the same time. And it also raised a possibility, citing unnamed ex- unnamed experts. I hate these. I really hate these. Uh, unnamed experts, probably CIA. That the Starlink could form a second and independent internet that threatens states' cyberspace sovereignty. That's somebody who didn't want to commit to the quote. So, some experts said that if SpaceX installs a few root servers in space, it can make Starlink the second independent global internet, which will pose a serious challenge to all countries in defending their cyberspace sovereignty and protecting their information security. I would like to debate that, because a second independent global internet might actually be freer than the one we currently have, which is fettered and completely rife with all kinds of sanctions, dominance, and uh, geopolitical interference right now. So a second internet may be completely privatized without interference from any government might be the way to have an actually free internet. So it's something to explore and think about and debate because a second internet might be better than the one we just ruined with geopolitical totalitarianism 
you know, we're, we're misusing it in the U.S. and we're supposed to be the freest country in the world. So SpaceX is monopolizing strategic resources in space. Okay, that, that's a fair argument. Another concern for Chinese military analysts has been the scarcity of frequency bands. And you know what? It always bothers me that the Chinese complain about monopolization when they're a totalitarian nation. They just don't want competition, period. So this is about the orbital slots. Orbital slots uh, for satellites to operate are being quickly acquired by other countries. Orbital position and frequency are rare strategic resources in space. Um, the LEO can accommodate 50,000 satellites, over 80% of which would be taken by Starlink if the program were to launch 42,000 satellites as it has planned. SpaceX is undertaking an enclosure movement in space to take a, uh, take a vantage position and monopolize those strategic resources. So space is a common resource shared by all humanity. Shared by all. Space is shared by all. Of course it is. And exploring it and using it concerns humanity's common interests. No country shall have its full swing, much less in, is the orbital space America's exclusive privilege. There's that privilege word. Okay. So we've gone over the fact that Starlink is not just a communications uh, module for Ukraine to, to get their communications and internet uh, continuity to, to go forward. It is used for war. War. It's in the space war space. I mean, like, and we're going to pay for the, the price tag for space war. We're going to pay this this price tag. I, I'll get to you in a minute, Johnny. I see you. I see you there. So, SpaceX launched 53 satellites in the last week. We're going to have to pay for that. The launches are expensive. And the satellites and, and most space equipment is retrofitted with gold so that the price tag is high. Definitely in the billions. So I think what happened was that they spent the money first and then they sent a an appropriation bill afterwards. And I think the reason why that happened was because Russia decided that they were going to use the ISS as a blunt object to throw from the sky like a dick god at NATO. And that is why we had to do this. So now the State Department wants to cope the geopolitical strains. Like if we're going to cut somebody's communications using Starlink, we really need to get an interagency review process. Okay, so let me just read a little bit about that. So there's something called the NSPM-13, which became policy in 2018. It allowed the delegation of well-defined authorities to the Secretary of Defense to conduct time-sensitive military operations in cyberspace. And that is exactly what we're talking about here. According to a 2020 speech given by Paul Nee, 
the then general counsel for the Department of Defense. So in a potential third-party notification scenario, the U.S. might need to take out a Russian server that is wreaking havoc and is physically located in a separate, uninvolved, and often unaware country. The State Department and Defense Department had been at odds since NSPM-13's advent because State wanted to have more say than the Defense Department is currently soliciting, and when determining whether and how often to let the other countries know about cyber operations happening within their borders, which is going to be a continual contest because State Department always wants more power over DOD. And DOD just wants to go fight. So, all right, Johnny, let's talk about space war. Okay. You know, uh, Sheila, I'm really ignorant about that. Could I ask you, what does ISS mean? That is the International Space Station. Hello, you've been saying that all along, of course. International Space Station. So this is really uh, interesting. And like I said, I'm really ignorant about these sort of things, you know, uh, powers, you know, fighting in the, in, in the, in the cyberspace for you, you mentioned about slots. Can you expand on that a little bit? What, what was the what question? About uh, what you meant by slots, that there are so many slots. The orbital I slots. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't speak too, too, uh, too articulately about the slots themselves. Cause right, that right. seems like a, a pretty, but there are space windows. And uh-huh. there are they are populated with so many satellites, and then there are the the orbital slots are places for for the for the satellites to to basically launch. They geolocate, uh-huh. and then they take an orbital space that is static, but it orbits. Okay. So that's that's an orbital slot. Okay. So I think that uh, you know when. Yeah, I think about the future, Sheila. You know, I think about what it's going to be like 30 years, 20, 30, 40 years from now, you know. And uh, the West, you know, fights against the East, and the East fights against the West, and we have all these wars, and what kind of world we're going to live in, you know what I mean, with technology, AI, and all that. It just seems to me that it's, it's going to be so like the Hunger Games kind of deal, you know. Uh, it, it, well, it doesn't have to be. There, there's a reason yeah. why you're saying that. I, I'm just interested in, in why you might be, yeah. why you might be saying that. Well, I think that technology has is advanced so far above our human ability to understand the implications for a more, a more fair society. I think you know what I mean. That that we we the the normal everyday average person that really isn't into geopolitics really isn't into uh, technology really isn't it, just trying to survive day to day. Yeah. That they that they, they they can't keep up with this and it is so right. above them that that they're going to end up at the end of the day being the uh, being the fodder being the you know the, the 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 waste I guess you could say the oh we don't need these working class people, you know, we just, we got technology and we're going to move on and you know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, that's what the whole reason why we have this show is so that yeah. you can call in and say that, that right, the right. AI and AI development is outpacing 
the the actual humanity uh, of who supports it, develops it, you know, right. propagates it, and and yeah. administrates it for now, because at some point it's going to self-administrate, and it already is, and it's built to self-administrate. Now, space isn't built to self-administrate, but some of the, the processes are are automated. That's why they have an autopilot. That's an automated um, process. Uh-huh. Um, I don't but, know how you fight that. I don't know how you, how, how you fight against that. How, you know? How do you well, do that? You, I mean, it's, it seems like there's a generalized anxiety around AI to begin with. Mm-hmm. And and I think what it is is that you there's there's a blindness because you're not you're not an AI engineer and you feel like maybe that you can't administrate it or control it and it's it's a collectivized system that may be out of hand um, that it's it's got a hidden administration by by remote like that the remote operator isn't you. Like, right. take, for instance, like Alexa, you know, yep. the data it collects is covert. It just sits there in a, in a room and, you know, just like your phone, your phone generates and collects data, you know, whether or not it's harvested is another story. Now they, they created a monetary, uh, valuation on data so that it could participate in, in the brick system. And the monetary valuation of data is surveillance. Okay, they don't they they wouldn't farm the data or cull the data, clean it, partition it, package it, and sell it if they didn't have a monetary value for it. But once you get that, it does become marketing surveillance, and that's how it becomes money. And China really was a strong driver in that because they want to, they already own people. They are a system, a communist system that owns people. Okay. It's like I said, it's, it's very similar to serfdom that communism is basically the modern version of, of monarchic serfdom. They, uh-huh. they own people and then parcel out stuff so that people can use it. But it's it really all belongs to the government mm-hmm. or to the kings, respectively. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a when, collectivist. That's a collectivist uh, side point. But the individual, the West, they don't do the same thing. I mean, the way that these engineers have architected the systems are mm-hmm. collectivist. Okay, and that is has been kind of like one of my chief complaints is that the people who drive the surveillance economy have all been from Eurasian and Asian regimes where human rights are subjective. The human ethics development is also very subjective. Like, for instance, let's take India. You know, I like to pick on India because they're they're kind of in that gray area. They have a, a, a culture that values spirituality and religion, but they also have a lot of third world elements and their human rights record ain't that great, which means that they were trying to get, 
you know, mobile pay networking for and a and mobile pay device in every Indian person's phone before they had public toilets available yeah. for for mm-hmm. yeah. You see where the priorities right. are? It, yeah. It's all yeah. screwed up. And um, you know, it's just you know they don't have a, a a uniform health system. And then of course Gandhi back in the day, Gandhi G. Right. He he was opposed to state developed biometric credentialing because right. it would disadvantage the populations because of their history of bias against one another in the caste system. Right, in the caste system. Mm-hmm. In the caste system. About, okay. I know that much about India, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so he he was virulently he didn't want it, okay? Right. Because they they had one big problem, and it was the the British state who had come in and, and colonized the whole of India for like yep. five hundred years almost, and deep breath. So they got rid of the. They got rid of the biometrics, and they they got rid of the the British, uh-huh. and then here comes the new new age of technology, and you have people within their government who ate the bait, and they mm-hmm. went for it. And guess what happened? You know the biometric um, development includes healthcare. It includes like this t- kind of totality of data. Mm-hmm. The totality mm-hmm. of all data. It's it's a full spe- spectrum body grab, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the West, you think, and the West is not guilty of the same. The West, the West, and the way you know multinational corporations that are backed by Western governments, the United States government, aren't doing the same thing. They are doing the same same thing because it's developed by the same types of people. Like I said, they imported all of their labor, all of Uh their technical labor from Eurasian countries, from India, from Russia, from from Asia. Okay, these are not nation states that that typically operate on on Western born values of individualism and freedom. They have some some collectivist. And right. and then there's a depressive third world element. Plus, you know, the, the problem with this is that they're they're controlled. They're easier to control, um, and they won't speak up for intentional rights. Yeah. They're also, you know, the Visa card administrators are in many cases leftists on the West Coast. So. Hmm. What is bothering me about this situation is that, you know, you've got a leftist, a lot of leftists who've developed these 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 governance architectures in technology and AI. They say mm-hmm. it's that's apolitical. Mm-hmm. It isn't, and it's it's really really obvious right now. It's right. not it's not egalitarian or it's not it's an unfair platform. And I have to agree with you there. It's yeah, completely. Yeah. Uh, run and dominated, and it's really important that Musk says and articulates when that is true. 
Okay. He said of Twitter, this is true. It is true that it, uh, that Twitter, its algorithms and the way that it operates is leftist. So that is why he wants to bring in the counterbalance of somebody with, you know, more westernized uh, counterbalance and, and say, bring back Donald Trump's Twitter account. Because they need to, to learn and to respect uh, Western sovereignty, uh, our cooperative value systems, and incorporate these structures in engineering. And this mm-hmm. kind of gets away from things, but I wanted to bring up before it got yeah. too late that today yeah. uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is going to schedule a vote to advance the nomination of Alvaro Bedoya to the Federal Trade Commission. That's that's an important nomination because because he is going to he, he's essentially kind of a quasi leftist, but he did work for somebody who was a moderate Democrat while he was in the Senate. And Bodoya c- could be, he could be somebody who, who is a potential ally, but in the past he's been very, very, um, you know, he, he played along with the people in the cancel culture. Mm-hmm. He marginalized people who were norm, norm core. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, these are people who 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 made no particular real error, but because they didn't, you know, orthodox speak, or maybe they didn't use a pronoun that day or, or something to that effect, some, some form of petty verbal tyranny. Um, he went along with it and I watched him online people. I watched him do it. And so today is an important day. It's May 11th. And if he is so confirmed by by the Senate Majority Leader, um, you know, let it be a moderate confirmation. I will congratulate him if he is so confirmed. But he was delayed, and I think he was delayed because of this environment of petty cancel tyranny. Yeah. And so we we cannot have people administrating against the American public for for. Their norms, their governing norms. You know, Schumer's going to yeah. get ousted in this next. He may get ousted. No, he won't. He's in New York. He's not going to get ousted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what am I <laughs> saying? I'm, I'm wishing hard. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. They don't work that way. No, no, no. no, no. Many, many decide that, and they got money. We don't. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, and people in New York will decide it. I, I won't have anything to do with it, honestly. I'm sitting here wishing out loud, uh, but you know, I, I don't need. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I. I disagree with you in a lot of things, I think, uh, but it's, okay. uh, it's interesting to know, to, to understand. It's the hardest thing to do, to understand fully, really well, the other the, the other side, you know. Uh, well, thank you for listening. Because, you know, it, it, it's hard to do because you like to be reconfirmed. You like to be re-justified. You like to be, you know, what what, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, self, you validated. Know, uh, You'd like validated. to be Validated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, 
And when you hear the other side, you know, you're like, but it's the best thing to do because you, it, it allows you to understand better the opposition and you could, you know, better, you know, form your argument. So, you know, it's, you know, I really don't, honestly, at the end of the day, I think you as what you might call a conservative, right? Or a, Well, I, I don't, I think I wash conservative sometimes, but uh, I'm somebody who, you know, I, I'm an open-minded person intellectually. And I want to talk to other people. So for the same reason, like I want to sharpen my arguments and my skill, but I also want to knock off the edges of, of things that are stupid. The only way to do that and to develop a diplomacy skill Mm -hmm. is to listen hard and to understand Mm -hmm. where the other person is coming from. And This is really important for me to do at this stage in in my life because in order to make any kind of long-term progress on on goals like AI, you're going to have to do a lot of hard listening. And I'm going to have to listen hard some more to people on the left. I've been listening hard to people on the left for years, but they haven't allowed me to speak. There you go. That's it. I feel the same way. <laughs> and I'm from the left, right? Yeah. Right. Hey, are you a coder? Do you code? Is that? No, no, I don't code, but but I'm somebody who has had some experience with the you know, the academic right. You know, developers for for yeah. computing governance. I'm, I'm learning to code. Uh and Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you are a man of many Many mansions of, of knowledge and wealth. I can see that. Yeah, it's just it's really challenging. I love I love learning, you know. And uh, so let me ask you really quick about the left. When you say the left, because I, I I look at things, I look at things. Typically, the I tech at, left. Right. Okay. The tech left. More precise. More more focused. More. Uh, yeah. I get what you're saying now. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Over you know, about the things you've been talking about, the context, right? The tech left. Uh, when, when, when I think of the left, I think of the collectivists, right? The many. Now, when I think of the, 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 the right, I think of the individual, right? The one and the many, right? And that is, that is where my, my understanding or my argument for one side or the other, you know? Because so when you talk about China and how they're a totalitarian state and how they're, you know, uh, promulgating tech, to, uh, to, to spread this collectivist totalitarian idea, right? I disagree with the communist way of society, right? Or even the socialists. And I also disagree with liberalism, right? The, the focus on the individual. Because in me, I think in government, and I think it was meant this way from the very beginning, that there is going to be the, the argument between which is ultimate, the rights of the individual or the rights of the many, which the you know that problem of the one and the many, which is ultimate, you know, and uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Oliver Stone, who interviewed uh, uh, Putin a couple of years ago, and Putin Putin put it this way: He said, you know, the West focuses on the individual, we focus on the uh, collective, and that's true. So I don't think that there's anything wrong with the argument itself, because that's a philosophical argument that nobody will ever answer. Actually, I believe there is an answer to that question. But it's in the, 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 the realm of religion, right? Uh, and we're going to set that aside for a moment. But I think it's right and proper that 
you know, all governments, all people, individual people within each other and governments, you know, have that argument and even end up having wars over it. The question for me, mm. for me, the, the argument for me or what I'm trying to find is that middle ground that it's neither the one or the many, but it's something in the middle that nobody can define. Nobody can define. And I think that when we, we talk about how the uh, tech companies use, you know, information and, and, and you know, kind of, you know, control us in such a way, I think that what happens is what has happened here in the United States particularly, because we seem to, in my mind at least, are the promulgators of what is neoliberalism, which emphasizes the individual, or a perversion has taken place. And that perversion is money and power. You know, so you have a government, you know, you have a government, whether it's focusing on the one or focusing on the many, and then you have money, which in history, and uh, what is uh, Michael Hudson in his book, uh, the, the uh, uh, and forgive them their debts, writes a long history about for thousands of years, money has come from the state, the authority, chartalism, right? And that's the, right. the authority. Can I, can I break in there and, and talk to you sure, a little bit about the, the, the money sure. system? Okay, so, sure. so if we're going to speak of a totalitarian money system, uh, BRICS is in this kind of like stringy balance. There's when, when Glenn Greenwald was talking about hegemony last night on his podcast yep. or on, on the Glenn Greenwald podcast last night, mm -hmm. he indicated that the U S dollar is a hegemonic dollar right now. And of course I'm going to prefer that the United States have, if, if there is a hegemony that we would have it, you know, not because uh, if there if there has to be a hegemony. Hang on, you. you we, I've had this phone call that interrupted you. The last thing I heard is uh, I'm going to refer or prefer. Yeah, I said if there's going to be a hegemony, right? I would prefer that it would be the United States because because they are more permissive of U.S. and international sovereignty at large. Now the accusation is that we don't, that we go into other countries, that we, that we forfeit the rights with, with many invasions. And that is, that is sometimes true. Okay. I am not going to let the DOD off the hook for these hidden wars that are dirty. I won't do that. Right. Right. Um, I don't like paying for it. I'm an anti-war. And when they don't listen to me and they go forward and throttle and they spend all, all of my money on a, on a debt credential and they borrow from China to keep the wars going, that's not – that's not they're not listening to me, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay, but when you have um, this ambivalent ally, this adversary frenemy in China where you borrow from them – but then you pay for your own hegemony. At some level, China knows that they're going to get a, a piece of that, and that is where the conflict to to continue with them is is, is something that is amid the DC logic people, the DC mm -hmm. logic people, and that's not my logic; it's their logic. Okay, it's the mercenary class of our government, 
that that think this way. Now, when you get into the internet, that's that's also like DARPA post post mortem. Okay, right. the internet is is a former DoD product, and and we all use it. The mobile phone is 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 one of those things, and so we're gonna get to the money. The money is bricks. That's the alternate system that they are trying to counterbalance, um, not to compete, but to also dominate. So there's a pull to to pull apart the U.S. dollar out of its its dominance, and to give that dominance to someone else rather than you know, make it a competition and parody, which I think would be better. You know, let let the monetary systems compete instead of one being on top all of the time. Um, and if I were to prefer a system, it would be the United States because when China runs things, it is very totalitarian at all times and they never let up. I mean... You can just look at Shanghai. Shanghai did nothing. They did nothing to anger the the Chinese state other than make money, which is something that Chinese people love. Many Chinese people love the money. Um, I'm not going to get get into what else Chinese people love, but I, I happen to know that after speaking to many of them that they are into money and they value money. So... Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would not do so much business, and that is the way it is. So, you know, Sheila, Michael Hudson got quite a few books out. You, you're familiar with his work, the no. Economist Michael no, Hudson. No, I'm not. Michael Hudson is a Marxist. He actually claims the bloodline from Trotsky himself. And I find that amazing. I'm, I'm like, hey, man, you know, you, you you talk a lot of sense to me, Michael, but when you go there. It's like, man, I don't know about you, you know. Trotsky um, was a jailbreak. Um, he was right? a, the original jailbreak guy. Yeah. And uh, he went. He went to. He came to the United States. Yeah. And then also to Mexico, he hid out with right. uh, with the artist. Right. Forgive me. Why yeah, is her name dis- disappearing? Yeah. yeah. Um, mm, I don't know. She was. She was yeah. the artist. From Mexico. I don't know why her name is disappearing from memory. But Michael Hudson uh, writes about the, uh, the what you're talking about, how the dollar has been do- dominant and, you know, we use the dollar as a reserve currency. But there is also, and I'm sure you're familiar with the term modern monetary theory, uh, which talks about chartalism, which talks about how, you know, our view of money and uh, the, the currency uh, the issuer of the currency and the users of the currency, the deficit and the debt, all that is a totally different perspective, a heterodox perspective on modern money, you know. Mm. And when, when you say things like, you know, I don't want to pay for, you know what I mean? I don't think we should pay for. Uh, and, and that goes to the heart of what the heterodox economists talk about when they talk about chartalism and where money comes from, right? So in essence, basically what, what they say is that we actually, when we pay federal taxes, we're not actually paying for anything because the issuer of the currency is not at all like users of the currency. They spend the money into existence and they tax it out of existence. The federal government neither has money or don't have money, right? And that's their view, right? But when, when I was talking about the perversion that is taking place, 
the perversion in my sense is that you know if if you view it as in the authority the authority is sovereign nations have their own currency right and they are the authority and they tax and what drives the currency the the, the value of the the currency is the fact that they 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 are taxing you right so when the eurozone in Greece, uh, the Italy, and 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 those eurozone uh, countries had their own currency, they were their own nation, they were sovereign, right? The eurozone comes in and they tell everybody, okay, we're going to go to the euro, and uh, you're going to give up your currency. From that point on, they became like uh, states in the United States in the sense that they were users of the the currency. So the Texas, as a user of the currency, has the get revenue to pay its bills the federal government is not at all in that case so when we talk about when i when i argue and when i talk about the one and the many you know was it the west is is the is the uh, the the rights of the individual ultimate over the rights of the the many you know that's a right and proper argument for governments from the beginning of history what is perverted is money money and when when you get money in there and it's right also that in, in history, you see that, you know, what was that, you know, the, the, the governments would, how was it the year of Jubilee in the Bible? You know, you had the, the, the festival of Jubilee where the king forgave all the debts of all the people. And the reason he did that is because he needed soldiers to fight in his army. If he didn't do that, the merchants would keep them in bondage, in slavery. And then the king wouldn't be able to get these people to fight in his army or build roads or whatever it is. Yeah, there, there needs to be a, a rebalancing because, you know, it just right. there's a point where it becomes right. so prohibitive. You can't right. you can't get the labor right. um, so, balances back in, in, in the wheels. So, so for me, so for me, what has happened for me over the last 40 years, there's been a shift towards this idea that the market rules and the market is about money, right? You know, well, I mean, I mean we don't even have a free market exactly. and, and that's something that, you know, I guess me and the, yeah. and some progressive leftists have in common. We both right. know that there's no free market. I want a free market. I do. Yeah. That, that's that's my desire as an individual to have a free market um, whether or not I get it you know I have what I have but you know what John Josh was in the queue wait wait yeah. Johnny uh, Josh was in the queue and and I, I need to allow him to have his talk of course, as well of course, of course. I, I I I thank you for calling in sure. uh, we're just mm -hmm. gonna let him have his turn well, to speak I'll listen in Thanks. all right thank thank you we'll talk we'll pass the talking stick to Joshua okay. here okay. thank you Okay. Uh oh. Wrong one. No. Hey. Are you there? Oh, wrong, Josh. I'm I'm here. Um, he actually stole my thunder because I was going to talk about modern monetary theory. Um, and uh, you know, essentially getting away from birth canal-based privileges. Uh, I know Hang you know the word second. privilege. Oh shoot. Don't you hate it when that happens? I'm yeah, I guess I I guess <laughs> man. <I'm>, I <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Joshua. Just unmute your mic. I, I can't get it back in the queue. Go ahead. It it just Am jumped I here? You. 
Yeah, you're here. Go ahead. Your your dot moved to the place it didn't want it to go, but you're speaking. It's fine. We'll get over it. Well, Just speak. I, well, I don't even know what I want to talk about now, but that's fantastic uh, because it's usually funnier when all of these technical glitches come up, and it doesn't make me feel. Uh, I, I guess. As all. I guess. I I I guess it's going to be part of the show that that my uh, that there's going to be electronics challenges. I am getting a, a P4 pod track to help with the sound quality. How is the sound quality, by the way? Oh, it it's improving? fantastic. You're crystal clear in my ears. I have a bit of an echo, um, but uh, that's okay. I love the sound of my own voice. Um, <laughs> I, I, no, actually, uh, I, he, modern monetary theory, you guys brought it up. Obviously, you were kind of talking about it already. Um, and... You know, it's kind of hard to have hope right now. Like, you know, uh, but I think that there's a lot of fear mongering going on. Um, and, you know, in regards to moving into Cold War 2.0, which, you know, it seems to be the push. I mean, I I, I'm breathing I, hard because, like, it's an AI show, and neither one of you guys, you, you both want to talk about monetary policy. I want to talk wait, about AI wait, in context. I, maybe you just had, maybe you just read my mind, because the next thing I was going to say is talk about AI and quantum computing and some of these advanced yeah. things like space travel, right? So, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't get right to your subject quickly enough. Um, <laughs> You're typically the tech guy, so I'm like, get me off the money train now. No problem, but we are going to spend money on those things, right? Like we're going to spend more know, money to, to right to to dump it into that. And I, I, you know, there's something in in scientific research where you have multiple parties working at they work separately on these really advanced tech things um, because they are competing. Now I'm going to go way out there. Like if we are going to essentially transfer ourselves to machines someday and go transhumanist, which, you know, that's a thing, uh, supposed, I don't know how far. Well, I mean, not is. everyone is expected to do it, but it, it, it is currently optional if you wanted to, to kind of go for like a body modification with technology. Yeah. I mean, and how we're going to do all that. I mean, I don't know how many years, like I'm not going to give forecasts. I'm not a Jehovah's witness anyway. Um, but uh, it, it there's there's so much money that's going to be dumped into that by all, and we print every every country prints money, but maybe we don't want to work together on those things because because we understand that whoever gets there first is going to do really bad stuff potentially. And everybody just is like, Hey, I need to make sure I can like, there's this more nationalist xenophobic, like we need to retreat, figure this shit out because we don't know how far it's going to go. The development and what the implications and ramifications are, the ethics, the equality. I mean, all of this shit is so complicated. Um, Again, you know, that, that, I'm going to point to that sandbox thing that I've talked about in the past where mm -hmm. you know, they, they're trying to get AI uh, in what is called a sandbox to, to kind of flesh out some of these problems so that, 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 that if, if anything bad happens, it happens in a really small scale. 
Um, my um, neighbor's cars, my neighbor's car uh, light just winked at me. I hope she just clicked her key. Otherwise, the AI has taken over that car and told you not to talk about this on the air um, because it's so controversial. I don't know what that um, means at all. No, <laughs> I don't no, know what that means at all. I, I had no somebody. Somebody clicked their key to unlock their car. So as soon as you're yeah, talking oh, about that, uh, do it, do it, you know. Yeah, exactly. No, I've just been targeted by AI for extermination uh, from the car. It's probably Elon Musk because uh, I, I'm not. I don't know why you spend 44 billion for the 10th place company, but uh, it is going to be comic gold uh, as soon as that opens up. And I I can't wait for uh, our AI uh, development to improve because we are in an arms race there, uh, and it seems like everywhere else on the technological fronts right now. So, well, what else, I, do, I can, what else do you have? Go ahead. I, I, don't, I don't know, man. But do you have anything, you know, what do you think about, you know, Russia using the International Sta- Space Station as a huge blunt object bomb to land on NATO? Why doesn't anybody have well, anything to say about that? Well, was that a feint, though? I mean, was he actually going to do it? Or is it, I mean... I, they I mean, could, to, man. I mean, that's the, they're like, yes, they're threatening yes. to leave to the, they're threatening to leave the, the space station. Um, if the sanctions get too crazy and if the war is more relentless, uh, then <laughs> they will. So I think that this big giant price tag actually is just to get a grip on space because while it, started as this weird skirmish in Ukraine, it's really not about Ukraine. You're killing me over here, Sheila. No, I'm not. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the, the, these people in Russia, um, when I say these people, I mean, you know, the Putinistas, the, the, <laughs> the former KGB folk, um, they are the ones making these crazy, you know, outlandish. Well, they seem outlandish. It's war. They they're feeling an existential threat to to their to their republic or to their to their government, and it's being driven by. Okay, all people get into this kind of fog of war. Okay, so you hear things like I I attend Mike Tracy's podcast he he typically airs on sunday and what he talks about is the types of arms that are sold and why they're being sold and then i flip over and i listen to to stephen miles and some of the speakers that he has on and it it's it's the difference between people who are who are kind of looking at the dollars and cents and then the people who are looking at the administrative. Okay. So Stephen Miles show is about kind of like this civil servant administrative, uh, element, you know, the deep state, they think that they know what's best for us, you know, deeply paternalistic, you know, to a point of being ridiculous and offensive. Um, but you know, important to listen to nonetheless, uh, where you learn things. And I, I learned, a tremendous a lot by listening to Miles, uh, and because he had the former undersecretary uh, for Obama on to talk about uh, 
how they they believe things to be. And what I learned is that they have a view on government when it comes to the Ukraine thing. They're interacting with these other actors and like Lavrov, Sergei Lavrov. And Sergei Lavrov ends up saying these ridiculous childish things like, you know, the United States thinks that we are monkeys. And I thought, we're going to war. And we're dealing with the top leaders of a nation state that have been reduced to childhood name calling. And I feel like, do we need a coalition of mommies to go over to Russia and say to Lavrov, no, for real, no, for real, who called you a monkey? (laughs) Who Who in the United States called you a monkey? Nobody called you a monkey. Show me. Show me who, who called you a monkey. Nobody called you a monkey. You don't go to war with the United States because somebody called you a monkey. I, and this this is a person in charge of like state diplomacy. I feel like we're up shit creek when I hear things like are that. They, are they wearing pink hats? I don't know, but they may as well be. Oh my and god. Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. I just, you know, that's why people at the high need to be interacting with the people of the low. Because if they don't, they're going to lose touch with reality. And which is why it's really important to have that AI show to hear people talk about how does how does the biometric, you know, man make you feel. When you go to the grocery store and Jeff Bezos says, hey, just put your palm over this little pad here. Let me just read your veins so you can pay with your credit card. I'm like, I already have a credit card, Jeff. I don't need to give you my body to pay for this. You know, it's ridiculous. But who is the high and who is the low? I would say the, the, the conventional powers, okay? The conventional powers, the people who are statist and in charge of our federal budget okay i'm I'm just gonna say that those are the highs and the the lows are people with less power i would say dramatically less power people who are like me and johnny and maybe you you know working class folks who are just trying to deal so there's four there's four there's four of us oh all four of us. Yay. There was a couple other people in here temporarily. It was nice. I know how to clear a room. Um, Why did you do that? I always do it. I, it's That's how I get out of having to go to Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, I wonder about you guys. I wonder if you're spooking away at my, my other listeners, but, you know, it's okay. I, I asked for more listeners. I'll, you know, if God wants to give me more listeners, I'll get more listeners. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be divine intervention. I'm going to let somebody else buzz in if you want. I mean, I we can talk longer. I that's up to you. All right. Um, you know, we we might wrap it up unless you have something formidable to say about you know AI, Johnny. I'm going to let you back in the queue, but you got to keep it AI centric. Go ahead. 
Unmute your mic. Oh my gosh, there he is. You are in queue. Okay, sorry. No, no. That, here I am. Here I am. Uh, no, no, no. I, you guys are hilarious. I mean, really, you guys are a freaking riot. Both of you and you, Sheila and Joshua, are a real uh, joy to listen to. So, yeah, I, I promise in the future I'll keep I'll keep it on the topic, okay? Because it is <laughs> I mean, I mean it is, it is you know, really important to, to, like, try to get to some of the stuff yeah. that we were talking about. I mean... How do yeah. you feel about, you know, the ISS station being used as a bomb on, the, yeah, on like, right. the whole of Europe, you know? They're, Does that bother you? Somebody's <laughs> going to do it, right? What does Bush say? You know, it better be us instead of them, right? You know, prevent, you know, somebody's going to do it. So, you know, they got the upper hand. I mean, that's the way of thinking, right? That's the way it works. You know, if not, uh, if we set back, then somebody else is going to do it. So it might as well be us. So well, we don't want to be on the receiving end of it. That's for right. sure. We don't. We don't want to be on this receiving. So what I think about that is, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. So, yeah, it's a way above me, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> really, literally, back. it's People way above all of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> literally, yeah, exactly. So that's all I got to say. Really, you know, I'll just kind of hang out. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, guys, thanks. I mean, I, I, I. It's between eight and ten. And this right. is a good time to kind of kind of wrap it up, but you know I, I appreciate you always coming in, uh, the faithful here uh, in my in my queue. You know the, we're going to have another chance to talk about AI again on Friday. So between eight and eight and ten, those hours I'll be on discussing some other, you know, explosively uh, AI topic. You know, exploding robots topic. So, so um, with that, I'm just going to say sayonara, and we'll see you on Friday if you're coming. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Th- thank you, guys. Take care.